What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. In the mid-1800s, two men put their names on a business and wrote themselves into history. In every account of those early days, the two were lauded for their ability to see two steps ahead and for their trustworthiness and reliability. They were Henry Wells and William Fargo. This is Bizography, the show where we dive into the strange but true stories of iconic companies. Whether they're a bright star in the midst of a massive dumpster fire or settling into the dust heap of history, they all have a past worth knowing. I'm Dana Barrett, a former tech executive, an entrepreneur, and a TV and radio host. And over the course of my career, I've interviewed thousands of business leaders and reported on the bright beginnings and massive flameouts of the brands we know and love. Some of their stories are inspiring, some get my blood boiling, and some are just plain weird. So how did a company that started with such an illustrious beginning end up having to answer questions from Representative Maxine Waters like this? Uh, In your October 4, 2017 testimony to the Senate Banking Committee, you stated that you have the knowledge, ability, and support to make changes at Wells Fargo. And since you gave that testimony, federal regulators have announced several enforcement actions relating to customer abuses at Wells Fargo. With all of this experience and the length of time that you have been there, the roles that you have played, you have not been able to keep Wells Fargo out of trouble. You keep getting fined. Why should Wells Fargo continue to be the size that it is, and should it be downsized, or what else could be done? Well, I believe that Wells Fargo uh, serves our 70 million customers, one out of three U.S. households, in a very effective way today. And I think the way in which we serve our customers is reflective of the changes that I've made since I've become CEO. All the changes that you said that you have made are not evident and you do not have the kind of customer satisfaction that you are alluding to. Again, is Wells Fargo too big to manage? The Wells Fargo story made me angry. It made me want to change banks, and it made me curious. With me for emotional support, as always, is my producer, new guy, Nick. (laughs) When you saw all of this craziness, Nick, start to come out about Wells Fargo, what, what was your reaction? You're right. I, I'm glad I'm here for emotional support for you today because when you see banks doing this stuff, you're like, oh no, those are the people that have my money. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you really nervous. Yeah. And <laughs> when Wells Fargo um, started going wrong, they had my money, uh-huh. literally. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Scary. Yeah. Super scary. So when I look at all of the trouble that Wells Fargo has been in over the last four years, for me, it just seemed like there was a big culture problem in that mm-hmm. company. Um, the culture seemed to be, at least at the top, about dishonesty and greed and and desperation maybe of those folks at the top to to keep raising the value for shareholders. And so that sort of put the people in the middle and the lower rungs who may have been good people in impossible situations. That, sadly, 
is completely at odds with who the original founders seem to be. We seem to see this a lot with companies. So here's, I guess, the real question is, we know it was a guy named Wells and a guy named Fargo, right? But were these like buddy-buddy guys or did they just get into business together? How were they better than this version of Wells Fargo? Yeah, well, that is the question. And we've talked about a lot of duos who have started businesses over time. And there's a variety of different reasons, I think, to your point, why... Um, people come together to start a business. And these guys were not sort of the typical buddy guys. They were actually fairly um, separated by their ages. They were about 13 years apart. So Henry Wells was the older of the two. He was born in Vermont in 1805, you know, just the other day. (laughs) (laughs) His father was a minister. Uh, He was raised, you know, with good family values. Um, The family moved from Vermont to New York when he was pretty young, and he was a working guy. He worked as a farmhand. He apprenticed to a shoemaker. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine if he just decided to go down the shoe route instead? Right. That's really interesting that he could have just stayed a farmhand, too. Yeah. Wells shoes. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been a whole other thing. (laughs) Oh, my God, Dana. That reminds me of a video from high school. This could have been the commercial for Wells shoes. Shoes. Oh, my God. Shoes. Let's get some shifts. Let's get some shifts. Let's get some shifts. Let's get some shifts. Oh my god, I totally love that. <laughs> what what year was that? That was like 12 years ago, like 07. I was in high school. It was one of those ridiculous first of the viral videos on YouTube, but it just pops into my head. I feel bad that I clearly missed that year, but now I'm going to never get that out of my head. <laughs> I think we need to talk to Wells Fargo about starting a company with that, right? That would be good. Done. All right. And getting back to Henry Wells, even after the farmhand and shoe careers, he decided to get into education as a career. And um, he established a series of schools for people with speech disorders, of all things, partly because he himself had a stutter. And he never really was uh, able to overcome it, but he wanted to help others who were dealing with Similar problems. That is awesome. All right. So this guy does seem like a good guy. Yeah. Right? Up to this point so far, he's a good person yeah. doing good things. And he was a noticeable guy in the Times. Like, you'll appreciate this because you're, <laughs> you're a big dude. He was over six feet tall, which in those days was really big. Oh, right. And um, he was known even, you know, in his younger years to be ambitious. So he was never a guy that they, that, you know, his family and friends thought was just going to sort of sit still in one place and be a farmhand or a shoemaker. Um And so after this decade basically spent on um, building schools and focusing on education, I guess at that point he realized, okay, if I want to keep going here, I got to... I got to get into business. <laughs> got to make some money in the process, right? Right. So now it's 1840. He's in his 30s, and he uh, decides to get into the freight business because he sort of saw the writing on the wall. He saw where the country was going. Goods, you know, the country's growing and expanding, and goods and services need to be moved around. And so he gets into that business, going to work for a, uh, a fledgling, what they called express company at the time. And it's funny because we don't really think of that word now standing on its own, express, except Federal Express. That's basically where that comes from. Right. That's a good point. Right. We do think of it, but not really in terms of delivery so much because American Express is not that, right? Right. Anymore. Anymore. No, absolutely. When I hear that, yeah, you think of a credit card, not, you know, UPS style. Exactly. Of course, uh, in any case, they called it that pretty clearly at the time, Express Company. So he went to work for this company at the time called Harndon and Company, and they did package delivery just up and down the East Coast. And about a year into that process, working for Harndon, Henry Wells is looking around and he says, look, you guys got to expand to the West, at least to Albany, New York. And Harndon was like, nope, we're good. We're good where we are up and down the East Coast. And so right then and there, Henry Wells is like, all right, you know what? You don't want to you don't want to do it. I, I got this. And he started uh, going off and doing some entrepreneurial stuff. So he joined with a couple of other guys at the time and they formed a new express company called Pomeroy and Company. Now, this is 1841. So he only worked for Harndon for about a year. And that company took on this east-west route between Albany and Buffalo, New York, and was essentially a FedEx of its day, mail and package delivery uh, from Albany to Buffalo and back. And here's the thing. This hardworking farmhand, shoemaker, six-foot-tall educator guy was a working man. So he did most of the delivery himself at the beginning. He went by stagecoach. Uh, he went by uh, by train when he could, and he built a reputation for being reliable and trustworthy. And, and because it was him personally, his name, Henry Wells, became a household name in New York. And people knew him, and they were excited when Henry Wells was coming to town because he was bringing 
their mail and their packages. <laughs> like their version of a Santa Claus almost. What a great PR campaign. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, of course, it wasn't just him. And he hired other, um, you know, delivery guys, agents, they called them. And at the time, the U.S. Postal Service was unreliable and slow. So Henry Wells, you know, under the guise of Pomeroy and Company, um, sort of succeeded at what they were doing by finding the quickest routes, buying the fastest horses, and hiring the most skilled horseback riders as agents. Um, And that's actually how he met Fargo. Ah, very interesting. So Fargo was a good rider, just (laughs) FYI. Interesting that that skill could get you all kinds of jobs back then, right? Yeah, imagine (laughs) that, right? Doesn't get you very far today. Not so much. No. (laughs) I just can't help, though, but... Think of Old Town Road from Lil Nas X, that new song that's been going viral for the last forever, however long now. It would have totally been Fargo's theme music, right? I don't think I know it. All right, I do kind of love that, but I have to like challenge your current millennial uh, modern pop culture reference okay, with like an 80s pop culture reference because the first thing that popped into my head for some reason was the movie Say Anything where Lloyd Dobler, John Cusack, describes uh, to his girlfriend's dad what he wants to do for a living. I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed or buy anything sold or processed or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. So uh, my father's in the Army. He wants me to join, but I can't work for that corporation. Um, So what I've been doing lately is kickboxing. If Lloyd Dobler had been alive now, he could have just been a horseback rider and made millions. Would have been a much better career choice, maybe. Um, The interesting thing, too, about the Postal Service, before we move on from that, is... They were, they had a monopoly. The U.S. Postal Service at the time wasn't allowing anybody else to deliver stuff. So what Pomeroy and Company was doing with Henry Wells was basically illegal. Uh, And in fact, the postal agents were chasing after them all the time. (laughs) So, I mean, that could be a a TV show right there. It's almost like the early version of the Wild West, except on the East Coast. Yeah, in in sort of Western (laughs) New York instead of in in the Western U.S. Well, Fargo uh, met Wells because, uh, so he, as I mentioned, was 13 years younger. Mm -hmm. He was born in New York around 1818. He had 12 siblings. He was one of 12, 11 siblings. And he started working really young, probably because of that. So he started working at age 13, also a hardworking guy. He was delivering mail in his hometown. Then he went to work uh, for a grocer in Syracuse. uh, And he got his first job in the freight and express industry working for the railroad that was the Syracuse to Albany line. And just by coincidence, he happened to meet Henry Wells in that job. And Henry Wells saw something in Fargo, I guess his horseback riding skills, and hired him away from the railroad to come work for Pomeroy and Company as one of the agents. So that's how the two came together. It was a business uh, arrangement. And uh, that was in 1842, by the way. So by then, Henry Wells is 37 years old, which is, you know, pretty mature in those days. Absolutely. I mean, I know some immature 37-year-olds now. (laughs) But at the time, that was... It's a very different world. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Fargo was only 24 at the time. So he was still a young dude. Mm. And so the two of them came together. And then for the next, essentially the next decade, throughout the 1840s, Henry Wells, William Fargo, Thaddeus Pomeroy, a guy named John Warren Butterfield, and a couple other guys created a whole bunch of different companies with different names. They all were mixtures of their various names, and they would, like, come together and form a partnership, and then one would disagree and sell his shares, and then they would form a different company, and then two would—and it was just the same sort of six guys forming companies and disbanding them to do this work in various regions of that part of the country at the time. But do you think some of that maybe came from the fact that uh, it was illegal? You know, I think it had, uh, maybe, but I also think it had more to almost to do with where they wanted to go next geographically. They would sort of disagree about what to do next. So they would go, well, all right, well, you two don't want to do that. Uh, us two will do it. That's valid because there was that, that was the big westward expansion was right there in the middle of the 1800s, right? So right. Like, so I want to go to Missouri. I'm going to go to Kentucky. Yeah. Like and that. even just within the East Coast, I think they were sort of disagreeing about how to do business. It never seemed like there was really much fighting. They seemed to all get along, at least from what we can tell looking back. It didn't seem like it was in in anger ever. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of like, all right, you don't want to do that? We'll do that. 
okay, and then they come back together a year later and say, okay, let's do this thing together. Um, And so that led right up to the gold rush years. So remember, and I'm not a history buff, I had to kind of study Nick (laughs) to learn all this. But in 1848, uh, news that gold was discovered on the American River in Coloma, California, came to be known. And the president at the time, Polk, confirmed this in December 1848, and the gold rush began. People started flowing out to California. Um, the numbers are crazy. Like, right. Right? Like, it went in, in from fewer than 1,000 people out there in 1848 to more than 30,000 people in 1851. So here's a random point of interesting trivia. Yes. Do you know what professional football team got their name from the gold rush? Oh, dear. I hate when you do this to me. You know how I am about sports. It is. Mm, tell me. The San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah, I did know that. <laughs> Darn it. All right. Fine. You win. <laughs> Nick wins. One for Nick. Um, yeah. So in any case, it was during this time. Again, remember, these guys are on the East Coast and they're, they're in New York. And Henry Wells is a mature guy at this point. He's, he's, you know, he's in his early 40s by now. So he and the gang... Fargo and Pomeroy and Butterfield and these guys, they get together and uh, they form American Express. The? That? American? Yes. Express? Indeed. The one that we, most of us have in our wallets today. Oh, wow. Uh, That was formed by these guys. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. You think of Wells and Fargo as just being Wells Fargo. Right. It was a bank, right? Right. But actually... They formed American Express, which, again, was a delivery company at the time with some financial services, same as what Wells Fargo eventually was, and they ran it. So Henry Wells was the president of American Express for 18 years, and so and, and William Fargo was the secretary of the company, another high position, you know, on the board uh, and high up, and they kept those jobs the whole time while they were also building Wells Fargo. And the reason they decided to build Wells Fargo was, here's this gold rush going on. The group of American Express leadership decided they didn't want to go out west. They weren't ready. They were. They felt like, no, the time's not right. It's too rough. We don't want to do it. And so Wells and Fargo said, mm, no, we're going to do it. So they went ahead and pushed west with their own company, Wells Fargo, huh. while continuing to run American Express. Yeah. Crazy. So that is how the whole thing got started. So this seems like the perfect time for a short break. When we come back, we'll get into how Wells Fargo, the company, really got going. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. 
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's dot. So Wells and Fargo start their namesake company mostly because their other partners in American Express didn't have the same vision they did. Maybe didn't even want to work that hard. But these guys saw the opportunity out West and in 1852, kind of in the in the throngs of, of the gold rush, Wells Fargo was born. And technically the headquarters of Wells Fargo, as we sort of know it today, was in San Francisco even though both Wells and Fargo lived in New York, in upstate New York. And so they never really went out there. They went to visit, Wells went to visit for three weeks. And for the most part, they trusted their West Coast people. Wow, that is a lot of trust to put in someone, especially when you can't just Skype them. Yeah, that's right. And keep in mind that the whole time, yeah, there was no Skype then, new guy, Nick. Um, Keep in mind, of course, that at the time, not only were they um, running their business long distance, but they were running American Express also. Um, But they just weren't, they weren't rough and tumble guys. They were suit wearing East Coast guys. And Wells, even uh, at the time, after he went for three weeks and came back, sort of said, literally, I'm an old fogey compared to those people. He literally used the words <laughs> old fogey. And, and he said, you know, I, you know, now I'm paraphrasing, but he said, this is, that's not the life for me. I'm going to leave it to the guys who can handle that to handle that. Well, at least he had the, the, the ability to look at it and understand, yeah, no, not my, not my style. <laughs> right. Um, but these were men who had, again, built a reputation of being reliable and trustworthy. That's how they built the business they had on the East Coast. And they carried that out um, to the West Coast. So when they got out there, um, even when they first launched in 1852, one of the, uh, you know, I'm going to say newspapers of the time, it was called the Daily Placer Times and Transcript. What a horrible name. (laughs) Clearly that one didn't last. Um, Anyway, this was a quote from that paper in 1852. Quote, Wells Fargo and Company are but recently established in California, but in other parts of the union, their express has gained an enviable reputation, which they will doubtless fully sustain here as they possess every facility and are men of responsibility and untiring energy. Are you sure that wasn't an ad placed in the paper? Maybe? I mean, that was a write-up by the editorial board. That's incredible. Yes. Also, they wrote so beautifully then. Right? We would be asleep if that was the way our newspapers <laughs> read now. Um, but look, these are the kinds of, of men that they were. And the way they behaved, even in their operation, and the way that they had their managers who were out there operating, was in tune with that. It was aligned with that. So, for example, all of those you know people that wanted to strike it rich, were out in California digging for gold. And the miners had a problem because they were kind of staying in shanties, essentially, Mm. and they didn't have a safe place to store their gold. So they were, you know, getting ripped off all the time. There were thieves and scoundrels out there, along with um, the hardworking miners who were, you know, when you were asleep, they were taking your stuff. And so Henry Wells saw that going on, and he said, look— If you trust Wells Fargo with your possessions, your gold or whatever it is, your packages, whatever it is, you will not lose money. We are going to be here for, we are going to be the trustworthy source for these miners and these customers. So the company, Wells Fargo, would only accept to to travel with or to hold what it could afford to lose. In other words, if what they said at the time, this is like crazy for the time, if one of their stagecoaches or train cars was robbed then Wells Fargo would reimburse the customer and help bring the culprits to justice. Wow. Right. And so because of that, they were very slow growing because they could only take as much Mm. as they could afford to cover financially. Now, they were making money with American Express by then. They had a good, you know, seed to start with. Um, So it's not like they had no money, but they weren't growing the way some of their competitors were at the time. So there was uh, there were a couple of other competitors out there, one who was literally 10 times the size of Wells Fargo and Wells Fargo grew. I mean, they had, I think, 12 branches within a year or two uh, out west. But there were 
you know, these other companies that went gangbusters because, well, if somebody got robbed them, so be it. The customer lost their Uh stuff, right? But because they had this honorable, trustworthy way of operating, they grew very slowly. Ultimately, it was that conservative business growth that saved their butts. Because in 1855, there was a panic in the gold markets and their competitors crumbled. But Wells Fargo was small enough to withstand that. They had their own funds. They weren't, you know, they hadn't borrowed to get where they were. And so they were able uh, to weather that downturn. It was totally secure. Yeah. Wow. Right. They weren't risking with other people's money, right? I I do have to say, though, it's interesting that they had a plan like that in place before. What is it now that covers banks? The the FDIC, right? You're insured up to like $100,000 or $250,000 in your bank account. That didn't exist at the time, and they kind of put that on themselves. They did it themselves. That's awesome. Right, and if you travel forward in history, they were like that throughout the 1900s. Like, they also... Uh, you know, weathered the stock market crash. They weathered World War One. Mm. They weathered World War Two in much the same way by being conservative and honest and reliable and trustworthy. Right? I mean, this is how they survived as long as they did. It was sort of the the core values of the company at the time. But the thing that was different, I think, is that those t- you know, in those days, you didn't have to like write your company mission and and then put policies in place to enforce it. You just sort of knew that the people you hired, I think we're good. I mean, maybe that's me just looking back at the past with rose-colored glasses, but it really does seem like they were who they were. They hired like-minded people, and that's how they ran their business. Right. Well, I'm sure having the security, too, of especially after all of that goes down, you're working for the only express company that made it out there, then that's going to make your your employees just in general a little more loyal. So if you operate the business strongly, the people inside of it notice that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so these guys uh, grew their business throughout the late 1800s and into the 1900s, in large part by acquisition. And they acquired some pretty famous companies. They created the Overland Mail Company, which a lot of people have heard of, which didn't last very long. And they also acquired the Pony Express, which is very famous. Acquired? Yeah, it existed. And they bought it. And it didn't last. Hmm. And, you know, there, we could do a whole podcast on just on the Pony <laughs> Express, I think. But it's also now a big part of the legacy of Wells Fargo because they Absolutely. owned it. Uh, and they continued to grow that way through acquisition over many years. But again, remember, they weren't really doing a whole lot themselves for the business, Wells and Fargo. They were in New York doing all kinds of other things. It was like, I think, 1868 when Henry Wells founded Wells College for Women. Fargo was running for political office and, and was a, a mayor, I think it was. And, and so they were um, they were very much into serving their communities and giving back as best they could. These were really good men. And um, when you look forward to today, you sort of have to wonder, what happened? How did it go from those men doing such good things and creating this legacy of their brand to where we are now. Absolutely. And I think that we've covered that in some of the other episodes, too. When you look at, you know, like Sears, for example, it was the the man's goal when he started it was to try and help people who lived in the middle of nowhere to have the accessibility to stuff that people who lived in the city had. That was his goal. That was his mission. And as long as he was doing that, even when it turned retail, it was working. Yeah. But when, but when that was no longer the goal to provide that service to the customer, number one tip top, everything came crashing. Down. Yeah, I think those stories have a lot of parallels. And I think part of it is that the times were one way in the 1800s when these companies began, and they are a very different now. And so these companies, Wells Fargo grew by acquisition. And up until modern times, I mean, most of us still remember Wachovia, which is one of the banks that became a part of Wells Fargo. And there were several other big name banks throughout the country that rolled up into Wells Fargo. They all had their own cultures. Uh, They didn't have the culture of Henry Wells and William Fargo. They had their own cultures. And they were acquiring all kinds of small community banks along the way as well, some of which probably had great cultures and some that probably didn't. So what happens to Wells Fargo when all of those cultures come together? That brings us up to modern times, and we'll talk about that right after this. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, temp to hire, part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Okay, Dana. So you said that the culture of Wells Fargo changed as the times changed. But what do you mean by that? Aren't people just people? We're just people. Oh, my God, Nick, you totally should have been a child of the 80s because that is like right out of the Depeche Mode song. People are people. Totally love that song. <laughs> That's going to be a new theme song every time I, I have that in my head now. Well, people are people, and now Depeche Mode. Turnabout is fair play, my friend. And yes, people are people, but I think society has really changed over time such that, you know, in the good old days, and I admit that I might be wearing rose-colored glasses looking back, but I feel like the bad guys were, like, wearing uniforms. Like, you could pick them out, you know, like— in the cowboy part of the world, they wore black cowboy hats. The and bandanas, the, and, right? Yeah, around their face. And the sheriffs wore stars on their chests, right? And you could tell the difference. And criminals were snake oil salesmen, and everybody could kind of see them coming. Um, now, I feel like, look at the college admission scandal. The, the criminals are your your favorite, you know, TV actress and your neighbor next door, who's or, or the kid in the college dorm room next to you. And so I feel like times really have changed. There's so much more white-collar crime now, I think, than there was then. Not that it didn't exist at all, but I think there's so much more of it now. And, you know, in order for people to sort of stay in line now, it's almost like they really have to be held in line. Back then, I think there was a credo to some extent. If you were an upstanding citizen— you were an upstanding citizen. If you were in the mob, you were in the mob. And that was a different credo. Like an on, on, yeah, like an unspoken honor code either way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it does feel like it was that way I back mean, then. I mean, you can even look at politics, right? Because you can look at, like, at George Herbert Walker Bush, who never spoke about himself, who didn't right. want to use the word I. I mean, yeah. that was a known thing. And now you look at our current presidents, who are all about themselves, mm-hmm. right? It's just the world is different. And so I think what we should do is you take the list of, like— the good stuff that Wells Fargo, the company, and the individuals Wells and Fargo were doing kind of in the 1800s and through the 1900s. And I'll take the list of the current scandals. (laughs) And let's just sort of do a compare and contrast. 
Yeah. So, so you go. Good. You, right. you give me right. something so, good. Well, so let's start. Let's start with good news, right? So we talked in the last uh, uh, part of the show. We talked about you know the the women for the college for women and and everything else. So here's one that I think is a really interesting kind of progressive point from Wells Fargo is in 1888 they put a policy in place to all of their employees company wide that said quote proper respect must be shown to all and polite and courteous treatment of all customers let them be men women or children rich or poor white or black this is 1888 that's, 1888. that's really ahead of the time way ahead of the time. time i mean women weren't allowed to have their own accounts even at that time Right? They weren't allowed to sign for things. Yeah, they had to come in and, and access their husband's account. A lot of times, I've, I've, I don't know why I've heard this before, women would go into the bank with their marriage certificate yeah. to prove they could get into their husband's account because they couldn't have their own. That's nuts. Right. And, I mean, think about the culture for black people at the time. I mean, it was in the 1960s when we had civil rights. Right. 1888, was, slavery, what, just ended not right. long ago? And they're saying treat black people like everybody else right. in the 1800s. Fast forward to the, to the aughts, okay? One of the early uh, fraud scandals that Wells Fargo was accused of in 2009 was charging African-American and Hispanic borrowers more money for mortgages. They were uh, allegedly steering blacks and Hispanics into high-cost subprime loans. Yikes. Gosh. Different culture, different era, different time. Big time. How could that even happen? If Wells and Fargo were alive, that would not have been happening. Right, especially something that's been in place in the company for so, so long. Yeah. Here's another interesting good thing that I've seen uh, that Wells Fargo did. Back in 1906, the great San Francisco fire after the earthquake and everything, uh, over 500 of their employees were out of work. They lost their homes. They lost their possessions. They had other things to worry about. And while they were trying to get their lives back together and not delivering for Wells Fargo, they still paid their complete salaries to those employees to make sure that they would be able to get back on their feet. Okay, so that's wow. that's Wells White Hat Wells Fargo <laughs> in the what in the what years? Uh, nineteen oh six. Nineteen oh six. All right, let's fast forward. Uh, in let's see, two thousand ten, oh. uh, Wells Fargo was fined uh, for overdraft practices designed to gouge consumers and profiteer at their expense, oh. and for misleading consumers about how the bank processed transactions and assessed overdraft fees. So they're basically ripping off people who already are struggling because that's why you bounce a check in the first place. Oh, my gosh. Right? They're going out of their way to gouge people when before they went out of their way at the fire, they operated straight out of the U.S. Mint because there were no banks open. They were like, hey, the Mint's got our money. We'll just do it there. Yeah. How nuts is that? That's Black Hat. <laughs> Wells Fargo of modern times. So here's much more modern little bit of white hat Wells Fargo is in the 1930s, right? The stock market crashed in 1929, Great Depression. We all know about it. At the time, Wells Fargo was led by Frederick Lippmann. And while the Great Depression was going on, not only did Wells Fargo offer loans to veterans from World War I and the other wars right after to try and say, hey, yeah, we know everything's gone to, you know what? You still got to get back on your feet and we have the ability. Oh, yeah. And Wells Fargo still continued to pay all the dividends on every account throughout the Great Depression. The president, Frederick Lippmann, even said, quote, we will meet all demands under any circumstances. Yeah, this makes me want to mention the uh, modern scandal where they were um, repossessing cars from veterans. <sighs> Remember that one? Right. Um, but I want to get to the cross-selling <laughs> and the, uh, the the sales quotas put on the branches uh, in modern times. This is sort of the crux of the current scandal. Right, that right? was the big one we all heard about, right? Right, this was the big modern scandal. So Elizabeth Warren, of course, we, we already heard in this episode from Maxine Waters talking to the current, well, the now former CEO, Tim Sloan. But this was back in the midst of all the fraud where Elizabeth Warren is uh, digging into the then CEO, John Stumpf. In your time as chairman and CEO, Wells has been famous for cross-selling, which is pushing existing customers to open more accounts. Cross-selling is one of the main reasons that Wells has become the most valuable bank in the world. Other big banks average fewer than three accounts per customer, but you set the target at eight accounts. And that's not because you ran the numbers and found that the average customer needed eight banking accounts. It is because, quote, eight rhymes with great. 
This was your rationale right there in your 2010 annual report. So you have the start of the company with Henry Wells and William Fargo doing what they did, riding themselves from town to town to deliver mail and establish a a culture of trustworthiness and reliability. And then you compare that to the CEO, John Stumpf, saying, we're going to sell each person eight accounts, whether they need them or not, because, well, you know, eight is great. Eight, Eight is great. Eight rhymes with great. I think we could be CEOs, right? I could have come up with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could hire Dr. Seuss. Or or maybe, you know, maybe Barack Obama is looking for a job now. That's Sam I am. That's Sam I am. I do not like that Sam I am. Do you like green eggs and ham? I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. He was a good president, so he probably would have been a better president of Wells Fargo, too. This is exactly what I mean when I say the culture has changed. You know, this is a country uh, and maybe a world, but certainly a country in which it has become all about constant growth and shareholder value. And it is almost at any expense. In those days, Wells and Fargo, in the early days, they were so conservative and so concerned about their reputation and about serving their community that they didn't take those kind of risks. They didn't push that hard because they didn't need to. They built an incredible, you know, iconic company that lasted centuries on being reliable, trustworthy, forward-thinking, innovative, you know, open to all cultures and all people and and supportive and all of those things. And then now it's about greed. Uh, it's about money. John Stumpf, when all this was going down in the midst of that fraud, was making, you know, hundreds of times more than the average employee yeah. at Wells Fargo and taking no responsibility. It's just it's just so clear when you look back at how the culture of the country and the culture of the business sort of faltered together. Uh, you know, the big question, I think, going forward is, can Wells Fargo come back from this? Can their legacy that started all, being all about trust and all about reliability, can they get it back? That's the big question. And we'll get to that right after this. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock HealthLock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. 
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A. In the midst of the Wells Fargo scandal of the last four or five years, CEO John Stumpf ultimately was held accountable and he sort of was forced to retire. We'll air quote that. Um, This is a guy who we called, you know, Stumpy the Clown. Uh, on our show while the while the <laughs> scandal was going on. He was then replaced by CEO Tim Sloan. And now here comes Tim Sloan. Can I fix this? This is a guy who's been with the company for 30 years. He's got all this experience. He knows what the culture is supposed to be. And he's going to come in and save the day. So that leads the company to make some policy changes. In fairness, they did. Um, they did stop the sales quotas for the branches. So that was something. But the rest of it seemed kind of like lipstick on a pig, uh, doing things like fancy commercials to win back your trust. We know the value of trust. We were built on it. Back when the country went west for gold, we were the ones who carried it back east. We built on that trust. We always found the way. Until we lost it. But that isn't where the story ends. It's where it starts again with a complete recommitment to you so we can focus on your satisfaction. We're holding ourselves accountable to find and fix issues proactively because earning back your trust is our greatest priority. It's a new day at Wells Fargo, but it's a lot like our first day. Or is it? I don't know. Listen, this is the question that Wells Fargo is struggling with right now. That commercial was from last year. That was a 2018 commercial. And, you know, the question really is, have they overcome their bad behavior or are they just too big to do so? I mean, the reality is I pulled most of my accounts out. There was one I left open that I didn't use and it was a credit card account. But I pulled my accounts out in the middle of the scandal because I didn't want them to have my money. Right. I did, too. Same thing. And I mean, I've I've got a checking account. That's it. And so I said, yeah, I don't want, I, I, I don't, I'm not rich. I don't have a, bunch, a whole bunch of savings, but what little I have, do I really want these sketchy people to be in charge of it? And yeah, even for me, my little single account, it was a pain in the butt to get it out of there. They were like trying to dig their teeth in and say, well, you know, we're really sorry. That doesn't change anything. Right. And so I wasn't able to really track what was happening besides watching the commercials and, and sort of hearing the PR campaign. I didn't have that personal tie to the bank anymore in the last couple of years. But I was skeptical because I just know how big they are and how hard it is to make a change when you're that size. So the question then remains, are they making the change? Well, I ultimately got sucked back in personally over the last several months because my father's accounts are there. And my father uh, is sort of in the decline of age with Alzheimer's and dementia and those kinds of things. And so I had to start interacting with Wells Fargo again. And let me just say, I'm going to shortcut the story, Nick, two thumbs down. (laughs) <laughs> Two thumbs down. Right. The customer service is... Look, there not. was... I dealt with some great individual people, but overall, the system that exists in Wells Fargo was not set up to serve me as a customer. It's just that simple. And so that brings me right back to where we started with Maxine Waters. All the changes that you said that you have made are not evident and you do not have the kind of customer satisfaction that you are alluding to. Again, is Wells Fargo too big to manage? Yeah, that's the question. I think even with the best intentions, it's going to be almost impossible for them to change the culture of a company that size. Absolutely. And like we, like we said before, you know, they, they acquired a lot of these small town banks. And I think That was something they did so good for the longest time was even though it was big Wells Fargo, you still had a small town feel. And they lost that right around the financial crisis. And then obviously they lost it in the corporate offices as well. I don't think there's a way as one big massive thing you can get back to it. And it's just like any other relationship. After that trust has been broken that badly, can you ever really trust them again? Right. And, you know, look, I at the end of the day, 
all older companies, I think, that didn't really secure their founder's vision are going to have this kind of struggle if they haven't already. It's the same thing we talked about with Sears. It's the same thing here with Wells Fargo. And I think we're going to continue to see it over and over again with these older iconic companies if they didn't cement that vision into the culture of the company as it grew. I don't see how Wells Fargo can survive. I mean, as we are recording this, the most recent CEO has been forced to, air quotes, retire. (laughs) So that's where we are. They're going to bring in another guy who's going to do what? More of the same. How do you change that? That's the question. And if you're, you know, somebody who's growing a business, maybe the lesson here is to cement your vision in writing and keep it very clear at the forefront of the company mission always Because once you're gone and you're out of there, there's no telling. There's no telling. That is our show for today. This has been Bizography, and it will be again next time. See you then. Bizography is produced by the iHeart Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dana Barrett. My co-host and producer is Nick Bean. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis, and Josh Thane provides audio production. Have questions? Want to give us feedback or have a company you'd like us to cover? Email us at info at bizography.show or contact us on social. I'm at the Dana Barrett on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or just search for Dana Barrett on LinkedIn. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.